Okay, so we're up to Daf Ayin Beis on the bottom. So the Gemara is the middle of a story. The Gemara is asking, the Gemara is describing how David HaMelech Asr marrying into the Nesinim, of the Gevoinim. So the Gemara says the following story. There was a, there was a famine, and for three years, David HaMelech is investigating what the cause is. After three years, he figures out, he can't figure out what the cause is. So he asks the Rebbe they say it's two things. It's one is from is the fact that Klai Yisrael was not Masbid Shol properly. And number two, it's that David HaMelech, uh, it's, that, it's that when Shol killed Noivi Rakehanim, because Noivi Rakehanim supported financially the Gevoinim, it caused the Gevoinim to, to, to perish. So the Gemara says, Amr David, bottom line. Shalu nafak luhu. Go to the next page. Tracey arche shata. Vloidarche lemisbede. He says the shal thing. I can't help. It's already been more than twelve months. I, you can't be masked. It happened to be over thirty years after shal passed away. It's like, uh, there's nothing I can do about that. That's too late. You can't be masked someone thirty years after they die. That's yeah, but it's not. It's not. You know. He's like basically. There's nothing I can do about that. That's that's over. The other thing we could fix, and that's that we hurt the gevinim, who who again who were converts. They were Jews. Now, maybe they were Jews that Moshe Rabbeinu was not a fan of, and Yeshua was not a fan of, as we'll see in the end of the Gemara. But they were Jews who were harmed by the king. So David Amel says like this. Nikruven Efei Sinu. He says, let me talk to the Nesinim. Let me, let me try to make peace. So he calls him, V'yikra Melch Gevoinim, V'yermelein Ma'eselechem, U'bamai Achaper. Baruch was Nachz Hashem. So he asked the Gevoinim, what can I do for you? So V'yermelein, they said a Gevoinim, E'en lanu kesev, V'zavim shal, we don't want money. All we want is give us seven of his descendants and we'll hang them. We want seven children of Shaul, we want to kill them. That's what they want. So that was like, okay. <laughs> so the Gemara says, David's mouth trying to talk them out of this, trying to talk them out of this. Nothing. Omar. Okay. So basically what we're going to see is that David Melch gave in. By the way, he gave him seven. And they killed seven. As we're going to see, those seven, uh, the Rizval rights, were obviously Chayv Misa for other reasons. They were not good people. But, but this is when he asked the Gevayim. David Melch said the famous line, this is from David, this famous line of the three simonim of a Jew, by Shanam Rachmanim and Gaila Chasadim. David Melch said, There are three signs of being a Jew. Rachmanim by Shanam and Chasadim. They're modest, they're compassionate and they do chesed. Rachmanim dechsev nasmacha racham v'richamecha v'hirbeicha. Baishanim dechsev b'avur teirase al penechem and gaim b'chasad nesim amana sheyitzav as banav as beisai. Kol sheyesh b'lishloishis imanim halalu roily davik b'umazu. David Mel said, if you have these three signs, you can marry such a person. But he says, meaning, and because you don't have three signs, we're out. That was when he answered the gevayim and the nesinim. Is because they demanded those seven Jews to be killed, David Amel said, such a people, I'm not interested. We're not marrying such a people. That was when it was there. Now, let's just finish the story. He brings the, these are eight descendants. We're going to see seven out of eight were taken. Now, he takes these seven descendants. It was really eight, but as we're going to see, Mephibosheth, um, he davened for that he shouldn't be taken. But he takes these seven descendants and he gives them over to be killed. Now, the Gemara wants to know what made these seven. Like, how do you, you can't just choose who to kill. So the Gemara says, 
He took all the descendants of Shaul and walked them past the Aaron. Kol she'aron kaltai lamisa. Kol she'en ka'aron kaltai Anyone that stopped moving. I mean, the Aaron like froze, like a force field. If you froze when you were past the Aaron, you couldn't walk past, that was a sign that Hashem wanted you to be killed. Again, in the Ritva writes, these were Jews that were chai of Misa for other reasons. Yeah? Can I have a question about this? Isn't sure. that usually a Urim and Tumim um, thing to do? Uh, we generally don't like to use the Urim and Tumim to kill people. The Gemara had a rule. We had this We had this about 20 daffim ago. We don't like to use the Urim and to kill people. Okay, so follow-up question. Has this ever been done before? That something was... Um, it had happened. I don't remember when because um, my brain is a little bit blanking, but I, I do remember such a thing happening, yes. But I have to Why, check how up where. do they know to do this? I don't know. He's a Navi. I guess Navi, no. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What, I'm sorry? So the Gemara continues. The Gemara says, Mosev Rav Chaim Bar Ketina V'yachmal Melcham Mifi Vaishis Ben Yainisim Ben Shol the Pasuk says that Dabr Melech had compassion on Mephibayashas, that he didn't have him killed. So what happened? So what do you mean you have compassion? If the Aaron catches you, you got to kill him. If not, not. So what does it mean you have compassion? So the Gemara he didn't pass, that was the only one he didn't walk past the Aaron. So the Gemara says, that's favoritism. You can't have every one of Shaul's children pass except for this one. The Gemara says, no, he was caught Meaning the Aaron said guilty, the Davin Melch Davin for him to be saved. The Gemara says, Akadim Shavapanam, that's still favoritism. The Gemara says, No, so what happened was Davin Melch Davin that the Aaron shouldn't catch him. So it's not like the Aaron caught him and he Davin. In other words, he did the process, but before he walked past, Davin Melch Davin that he should not be caught by the Aaron. The Gemara continues, Ayva Oksiv Yumsu Ave Salbonim. What about the fact that why are you killing these kids because of Shaul? Like you're killing children because of Shaul's sin. Doesn't make sense. So the Gemara says, meaning, what's the cheshben over here? Why is he giving them over? They did nothing wrong. I mean, even if they did other things wrong, but the, to, this is like a, to give in to terrorists, it doesn't seem like a very good thing. So the Gemara says, Mutav shetaker the Gemara is going to explain what this means is it did not look good for the Jewish people that we did not take care of the Gavonim. The fact that Shoal killed the city of Kohanim and the Gavonim were killed by, as well, and these were converts, and everyone knew that they were like sub-level converts, the fact that we never like took care of them, it was a big chil Hashem for Kal Yisrael. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt it's Kedai for those seven people to be killed so that the world knows that we take care of our people. All of our people, not just the good converts. Even the converts that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't a fan of, we take care of them. So if it was Kedai, it's Kedai to kill Jews. Again, you have to know exactly. And there shouldn't be a Chil Shem Shemaim. That's the point. It's Kedai for such a thing to take place. The Gemara continues. Now, so you have these seven uh, children of Shoal who are hanging, who are, who are killed. Says the Gemara, Latikach Ritzba Basayos Asak Vitateula Latsur, Metrilas Kitsir, Anitach Mayam Aleim and Ashamayim, Voynos Noiva Shamayim Lenuach Aleim Yoim and Machayas Asad Delilah. The Pusuk says that these bodies of the children of Shoal, of the descendants of Shoal, were hung for, for months until the rainy season. Dabin Amel did not want to take the bodies down. Um, 
Second wide line, I ain't testament off. So, David Melch did not want to take the bodies down until it started to rain because he felt that was Hashem's way of saying, I forgive you. And this, what's her name? Ritzba Basaya, every day she would cover the bodies at night to make sure that no animals got near them, that she was on guard for those months. So that's the Pasuk says. The Gemara Sakasha. There's an iser to Iraisa from leaving the bodies hanging overnight. You're not allowed to leave a body hanging overnight, but they left these bodies for months. So why are they allowed to do this? The Gemara answers again, the same answer. It's Kedai for to do this Avera in order to make a Kiddush Hashem. And again, as I said before, as I said before, the fact that we didn't take care of the Gevoinim, the Nesinim, was a Chil Hashem. It was Kedai to kill those Jews, and it was Kedai for their bodies to remain hanging for months in order for people to recognize that we take care of our people. The Gemara speaks it out. The Gemara says, because the Gemara says, Shayu Oivrim Veshavim Oivrim, people would walk past these bodies, right? and they would say, Mativ and Shalelu, what's going on? So the Gemara says, B'nei Malachim, and they would say, oh, they're the descendants of Shaul the king. So people would ask him, also, so what did they what did they do to be killed? And people would say, they harmed converts. And not just converts, Gerim Garurim, because as we're going to see, the Givainim were already slaves from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, so they were always subpar Jews. And the fact that people would say, oh, if, if, if we're going to punish the children of kings for touching these Jews, that the Jewish people take care of their people. I don't understand. Joshua uh, wasn't supposed to do this. What do you mean? Then we, in the essay's Gemara, didn't we learn that uh, the uh, Yoshua was... He was tricked, but he made a deal with them. He gave them their word. Right? They showed up as, as travelers. And because of that, because of that... Yeshua right? gave them their word. Because Yeshua said, I'll, I'll, I'll accept you. And he didn't want to... That would also be a Chalashem. He didn't want to go back. Uh-huh. The king of Klal Yisrael says that, says that, that I'm going to protect you. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to go back on it. You're right. He could have... He could have said this was under false pretenses, right. but uh, she sure didn't want to do it. So the point is that these were people that were already from the beginning of their relationship, subpar relationship. But, but, but Claudius wanted everyone to know that we take care of our people. The Gemara continues. If they're willing to do this to the children of kings for touching the subpar gerim, they'll protect their people. So it was Kedai. Now the Gemara says, after this story, there were 150,000 converts that came because of this. And from seeing these bodies hung, it was such a, uh, like a, uh, like a, like a nechama to, to, to Gerim, to perspective Gerim, 150,000 people joined. The Jewish people. I guess, uh, it's in the city, I don't know, it just says hung. I mean, I guess in a place. No. So the Gemara continues, the Gemara continues, How do I know that there were 150,000 people that added? The Pasuk says that Shlomo Melech had 70,000 people who carried the uh, packages, whatever, and 80,000 who worked in the mountains. So 80 and 70,000 is 150,000. So the Gemara said, Dilma how do you know they were converts? Maybe they were just workers. The Gemara says, The Pasuk says, Shlomo Melech did not make the Jewish people work, so which means that these people that were working were obviously converts. Dilma Dugzer Alma, the Gemara says, okay, but how do you know they converted? Maybe they were just non-Jewish workers. 
The answer is Mehachad. It says the Pasuk, Vayispar Shloime Kalanoshim, Hagerim Ashabar Sisov, Yimsushmeyov, Echamishim Elef, Vyasmashim Elef, Savol Shmainim El Chaitzabar. The Pasuk says that Shloime Melech looked into it and there were 150,000 new converts. He made 70,000 carry bags, bags and 80,000 work in the mountains. So that was from this Misa. Okay. Now the Kasha is like this. We're saying right now that the Givoinim, or the Nasinim, you were not allowed to marry, and that was from Davon HaMelech. The problem is, it's before Davon HaMelech. Moshe already said that they're going to be slaves, and once they're a slave, you're not allowed to marry into them. Meaning, it's not like, it sounds like up to that point till David, everything was uh, hunky-dory, and then Davon HaMelech was one, it was already from the times of Moshe. Moshe made a Yeshua made a and then David. So what's, so the Gemara says, David Gazar Aleim. David was the one who goes in Moshe Gazar Aleim. I thought Moshe did it. Moshe Rabbeinu said that they have to be workers. And Rashi explains that if they're slaves, that means they have the status of a slave. And that's Moshe Rabbeinu's way of saying, I don't want us to interact with you, I don't want us to marry you. So if they're slaves, then it's already from the times of Moshe. So the Gemara answers, Moshe Gazal Hidara, David Gazal Kulidara. Moshe Rabbeinu just asked that generation. David extended it. So that was, that was the evolution. Moshe and David. The Gemara says, what about Yeshua? I thought Yeshua also asked them. So it's not Moshe Yeshua David. So the Gemara says, Akati Yeshua goes Yeshua uh, was geyser that they should serve in the Mizbeach, they should work for the Mizbeach, and they should be slaves. So you have Moshe Rabbeinu answering that generation. David Amalekh answering future generations. So what did Yeshua do? So the Gemara answers, Yeshua goes in Bismansha Bismidishkayim. David goes in Bismansha Bismidishkayim. The answer is Yeshua was geyser. Moshe Rabbeinu was geyser that generation. Yeshua extended it until the Chorban. As long as there's a temple, as long as there's a Mizbeach, you have to work. And David Melech was geyser even after the Chorban. Even obviously. about the Mishkan because there was no Bismidish during Yeshua's time. Correct, but he meant as long as there is a Mizbeach. Uh, I mean, Yeshua was saying, as long as it, and David Melech obviously didn't know there was going to be a Chorban. I mean, he knew Ruch HaKadosh, but David Melech was saying is that, Go to the next page. Bimei Rebbe, in the times of Rebbe, Bikshu Lahatir Nesinim, they wanted Rebbe to remove the prohibition of the Nesinim and to allow us to marry into them. Amr Lami said, Rebbe Chalkeinu, Amr Rebbe, Rebbe said, Chalkeinu Nate, Chalik Mezbeach Me Nate. I could allow, I could remove some of it, but they work for the Jewish people. They work for the Mizbeach. And even if there's no Mizbeach, I, I, they, they are still servitude to the Jewish people, and I can't remove that. Meaning, I can't fully remove this prohibition. Dovr HaMelech extended it past the Chorban, therefore I don't have the rights to fully eradicate it. Upligad Rav Chibar and all of this is in disagreement of Chibar Abba, Dom Rav Chibar Abba, Om Rav Yochanan, Chelek Eidel O'ilam Oser, Chelek Mizbeach, Mizanshitakayim Oser, Mizanshitakayim Shari. That which Rebbe said, that the chilek, that they work for the Mizbeach, I can't release, Rav Chia disagreed. He felt, no, that, that chilek is actually gone. It's the remaining chilek, which is a problem, which he felt the Rebbe could release. So according to Rav Chia, he felt the Rebbe actually could release it. So it's a machlekes of whether Rebbe could release the, the, the gzeira or not. Okay. All right. Let's do this. The Mishnah says like this. I'm Rebbe Yeshua. Okay, we have a sris, right? A sris is someone that you're not allowed to marry. The question is, what is his status when it comes to yibum and chalitza? So obviously he can't do yibum. Right? Obviously he's not allowed to marry. How could he do chalitza? Yeah, that's the question. Does he do chalitza? So Yeshua said, I heard 
from one of, I heard a statement that, that a Sris does chalitza and you do the chalitza on the wife of a Sris. The Shemati. can't have children? Is that why? Correct. He's like a Petuadaka. It's, it's a Sris, means it's severed. It's actually a Khrushchev. Okay. So a Sris, I heard that does he does chalitza and you do chalitza to his wife. But I also heard, you don't do chalitza. I mean, I heard sometimes a Sris does chalitza, sometimes he doesn't. And he says, I, I, I don't have an explanation. So says the Gemara. I'm, Rev- I'm sorry. If you're doing chalitza to his wife, that means he wasn't a Sris before he got married. It happened while he was married. Or or he was married by Yeah. Uh-huh. So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Akiva. Rav Akiva says, Ani Afarish. This is, I, I could explain this. Sris, Adam, it depends when he became a Sris. If he became a Sris later on, meaning into the marriage, but there was a period of time where he was perfectly fine, then then you could do chalitza, because there was a period of time where he was a kosher man. Sris Chama, if he was a Sris from the time he was born, there was never a time period where he was kosher, so therefore he doesn't do chalitza. So that's Rav Akiva's explanation. The Gemara will, Gemara will explain this. Rav Lazar, he says, no, the opposite. Loiki. He says the opposite. If it's a sris ba'mashem, then he does chalitza. Why? Because apparently that can be healed. So even though it hasn't been healed yet, apparently a sris from Hashem is able to be healed. But a sris from man cannot be healed. So it's a reverse opinion. Okay. Hey, Rav Yishu ben Becerra, Aben Megusis, Rav Yishu ben Becerra testified on this person, Shabishalayim Sris Adam, he was a Sris, and he did Yibum, even did Yibum, in order to fulfill the words of Rav Akiva, which by the way is going to be a question, because if he's a Sris, that means it's a Losase, so why is he allowed to do this? We'll see in the Gemara, we'll address this. Hasris The Mishnah then summarizes a Sris does not do chalitza, does not do yibum. This is referring to obviously according to Rav Akiva, a Sris a Sris Chama does not do yibum and does not do chalitza at all. V'chein Eilinus and Eilinus also does not do chalitza or yibum. Now, so according to Rav Akiva, right? Let's say you have a Sris that does not do chalitza. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Let's say he did it. Does it have any halachic ramifications? We know that once a woman does chalitza, she's pasal kahuna. So let's say she does chalitza to the sris, even though she didn't have to, is she pasal kahuna? The answer is no. Because it was unnecessary, it's nothing. It's invalid, and it's, it's not considered a halachic chalitza. Sris, shechalat li'vim te'iloi pasla. If a sris does chalitza, again, he doesn't have to, according to Rav Akiva. It's the scenario where he does not have to. And he does chalitza, it's nothing. She's not pasakuna, because it's the equivalent of you just, like, it's, 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 out of, it's not in a place of mitzvah. It's nothing. Bola, and if he does, and if he does bia, so pasla, she, she's pasakuna. Why? Because he's marrying his sister-in-law, Shaloba Maka Mitzvah. Meaning, you have this sris who's not supposed to do yibum. So there's no mitzvah yibum. And then if he lives with her, He's not performing the mitzvah. He's just living with his sister-in-law in sin. So she's poslakuna. So if you have an islandess, right? An islandess falls to Yibam Chalitza. She doesn't have to do anything. If you do Chalitza to her, she's not poslakuna because the Chalitza was unnecessary. If you do yib- if you do Bia on her, you do Yibam on her, it's not Yibam. So she's poslakuna because um, it's just living with your sister-in-law in sin. Okay, now here's the kasha. The kasha is like this. 
Rabbi Kiva holds that if you have a Suris Adam, so he, he, there was a period of time when he was healthy, he does Chalitza. The question is why? Well, you'll say because it's just a low sase, right? What's the Isser of a Suris? It's a low sase. Anytime, if it was Chayv Kares, that's the first Mishnah, right? The first Mishnah had, the first Mishnah listed all the Chayv Ekrisis. If Chayv Ekrisis falls to you, um, if someone who's Chayv Kares falls to Yibam, you don't do Yibam or Chalitza. If it's a lav, you do chalitza. Because, huh? Oh, that's a kasha. Doesn't Rav Akiva always equate a lav with kares, right? He holds that you get a mamzer from a lav. Which means, in the, in the eyes of Rav Akiva, a lav is equal to kares. If a lav is equal to kares, then why are you doing chalitza at all? This suris that falls to her is the equivalent of your daughter falling to you. It's mamish like, well, the Gemara is maybe going to say not, but the, the, that's the Gemara's assumption. The Gemara's assumption is that Kol Terakula, Rav Akiva equates a lav with karis. And if you equate a lav with karis, then why are you doing chalitza at all? So the Gemara says, is it because it's a lav? Why is it a lav? Because he's a suris. A suris is not allowed to marry a Jewish person, which means he's not allowed to marry her, and it's a lav, so he shouldn't have to do chalitza either. The Gemara says, "Michti Shamil Rav Akiva Damer Chayvei Lavin Kechayvei Krisus Damo." We know that Rav Akiva equates Lavin with Krisus. The Chayvei Krisus Lavin and Chalitza Ve'Yimenu. And we know that if it was Chayvei Karis, you don't do Chalitza. So it's Chayvei Lavin. You don't have to do Chalitza. So why are you doing Chalitza in this case? Am Rav Ami Hacham Ayeskin and Kingoshenasa Achiv Giyores Rav Akiva Savar Kravi Ayesi Damer Kal Geim Leik Recall. You know what the answer is? Who could a Sris marry? Well, it's a shy love whether he can marry a Gyaris, but let's assume if you hold that he can marry a Gyaris, this woman's a Gyaris. There's no love. Right? We were assuming that, oh, it's a love, that's why you do Chalitza. No, it's not a love at all. She's a Gyaris. He can marry her. So then the question is, why are you doing Chalitza? You should do Yibam. Right? If it's, a, it's like, oh, you do Chalitza. Why? Because yeah, you're not supposed to marry her, because it's, it's Sris. The answer is, no, nah, it's, 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 she's a, she's a Gyaris. Sris is allowed to marry a Gyaris. And the Gemara says, so why, why are you doing Chalitza? You should do Yibam. Why? So what? No, but but there's no there's no love here. Oh, so the Gemara is going to ask that later on. The Gemara is going to ask that later on. That, that's the end of the. Uh, what about an islandis? No, an islandis. He's not allowed to. No, an islandis. There's a special pasuk that says there's no mitzvah yibum by an islandis. It's part of the pasuk. There's a drasha that we had earlier in the mesecta. So over here, though, we assume that there was a love. The cash is if there's a lav, why you do chalitz according to Rav Akiva? Because Rav Akiva equates a lav with karis. The answer is it's not a lav because she's a gyaris. Then the cash is so why aren't you doing yibum? The Gemara is going to ask later on that like why would why is why bechalal in the parsha if if he can't have kids then he should just be bechalal not in the parsha of yibum chalitza. I mean forget about lavim. It's just the whole point is lahakam lach of shame. The whole point is to extend the family name. He can't do that. We'll get to that in a minute. So I'm assuming also. Uh... Mom's circles into the same category as, yeah. as a Gyaris. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Gemara says, I, so if she's a Gyaris and Ravikiva holds that you're allowed to marry Gyaris, there's no lav at all. So why are you doing Chalitza? You should do Yibum. So the Gemara says, Yibum, you should be able to do Yibum. Yeah, you're right. You could do Yibum. Vaidi, the Amir of Yeshua Chalitz, Amir Nami Chalitz. He only said Chalitz because the other opinion said Chalitz because they hold that you're not allowed to marry a Gyaris. So they said chaylitz, he also said chaylitz. The truth is, according to Rav Kiva, you actually do yibum. And now it makes sense of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that they were made, that there was a certain person who was a sris who did yibum, like I did Rav Akiva. Yibum. The Gemara says, Dekanami, Dekanami, Heir, Rav Yishuvah, Maseir, Al Ben Magusim, Shev Yishalayim, Sris Adam, Yibum, Yishishter, Lekayim, Dev Rav Akiva, Shmamina. Okay. So you're telling me that when Rav Akiva says you do chaylitza, it's dafka talking about a giyaris. Yeah? Meaning, if it was a regular person, that's a lav. 
Rav Akiva would say, you can't do Yibam or Chalitza because a lav is equal to Karis. Why over here do you do Chalitza and potentially Yibam? Because it's a Giyaris. Here's the problem. The problem is, I'll just say it outside. My head's killing me. I'll say it outside, we'll see it inside. That's why I just keep on taking my glasses off all the time. Um, the problem is there's a Brisa. The Brisa describes this Saris and it describes how you're supposed to do Chalitza and not Yibam. And it says that if you do Yibam, did it work? Because there's an Isr Daraisa, there's a Lav. Meaning you're telling me that when Rav Akiva, our Mishnah is talking about a Giyaris, the problem is the Brisa has the exact same teaching of the Mishnah and the Brisa is clearly not talking about a Giyaris. So back to our original question, meaning we had a question, which is why are you doing chalitza? If it's a lav, it should be, it should be completely potter. So we said, oh, it's a giyaris. The problem is the price is not a giyaris, and it's the same teaching. So it could work, the even could work. It's a, I say, the chalitza you can't do it again. Same issue with the chalitza. I don't know if you say, I say, the chalitza, according to Rav Akiva, do you say, I say, the chalitza, if you equate a lav with chalitza? Because it is a lav. It equates the same yeah. level of, it's not the same. I was thinking about that when I did this Gemara. Even works, but then you can't live with them further. And so that's the same issue we had before. It's a good kasha. I was thinking about that also when I did this Gemara. I, I don't know. It's a good kasha. But but we'll go to the Gemara's point. The Gemara's point is that you're telling me that it's a case of a Giyaris. The problem is the Brysa is clearly not Giyaris. That is the same teaching. So back to the original question. The Gemara says, wait a minute. Masiv Rava, the Brysa says, All these people. You either do Chalitza or Yibam. What's the case? Ketan. Mesu. So this first part is where the person who died was the Sris. So the person who died is a Sris, and his brothers, who are healthy, what do they do for Yibam and Chalitza? So over there, like, they could do Yibam potentially, but they're continuing a marriage that was not a great marriage. So the Brisa says, So whatever the brothers do works, because they're healthy. So if they do Maimer, they have to give a get, it works. In Balukanu, and if they do Yibam, it works too, meaning they're fully healthy. There's no there's no restrictions on them because they're fully healthy. But now the Brysa says, Mesu Achin Now what happens if the brother dies and she falls to a sris? So the Brysa says, Asu if the sris does does a maimer, he gives kedushin. Vinasnu get a chaltsu, mashaasu also. He could do a maimer, he could do a get, or he could do chalitza. So far, so good. Right? Chalitza, that's according to Rivakiva. Imbalu kanu, if they did yibam, it works. But, this is what Adam said, but, but you can't stay together. You can't stay together because it's a lav. So obviously we're not talking about a gyaris, right? We're talking about a lav. It means there's a lav, and yet, the, the Bryce is telling you, you do chalitza. So the kasha is, alma b'kal Hashem, askinon. So back to the original question, which is that if we're talking about non-giyars, which means there's a lav. If there's a lav, why are you doing chalitz at all? You should be patalagamri, according to Rav Akiva, because he equates a lav with chayv karis. So the Gemara answers attempt number two. So attempt number one is that it's a giyars. The problem is it's not. Okay, attempt number two, the Gemara says, is where the case is where he became a krushufchor, p'tzuadaka, after she fell to Yibam. Meaning... If she would have, if he was a Khrushchevcha and then fell to Yibam, that would be a lav potter. The cases where she fell to Yibam, he's healthy, then he had the accident. So because there was a period of time where there was Zika to a full Yibam, we're going to require Chalitza. Meaning, 
Regularly, Rebbe Kiva equates alav with kares, and therefore, if alav were to fall, Rebbe Kiva would say your pato legamri because it's it's like hive kares. So why over here do you have to do chalitza? The case is where he was healthy when she fell to yibam, then had the accident. Okay, good. So the Gemara says. The case is where she fell to Yibam when he was healthy, so she has full Zika to do Yibam or Chalitza, then he had the accident. Here's the Kasha. Why does that matter? Why does it matter? Like, it, it doesn't generally happen. Usually, when someone is usher to someone, they're usher to someone. This is a rare case where the Isser is like, happens. Right? You became a Khrushchev, so like, it could happen whenever. Why does it matter whether she fell when he was healthy and then got injured, or she fell when he was injured, what does it matter? If she fell when he was already injured, you say, oh, that's a lav. Lav is like kares, potter. She fell when he's healthy and then he becomes injured. What's the difference? Right now. Right now it's the equivalent of chayv kares. Like, what's the difference? What's the difference? Who cares when it happens? If it happens, it happens. I'll prove it to you. The Gemara says... Once he becomes a Ptsuadaka, that's it. What do I care when it happens? The second he becomes a Ptsuadaka, he becomes a Lav, and according to Rebbe Kiva, it's the equivalent of Chayv Kars. So what does it matter when that happens? Oh, if it happens before she fell, then you're positive. After she fell, Chalitza. What's the difference? Where, where do we find such a thing? Alma... I'll prove it to you. The case was like this. We've had this a couple of times. It's been a while since we had these type of cases. Two brothers. Yeah, two brothers married two sisters. One brother dies. So the sister falls to, to the other brother. So she, he can't do Yibam, right? Because he'll be married to two sisters. What if the wife that he's married to is nine years old? It's a katana. She's an adult. The one who falls to him is an adult. So his marriage to his wife is rabbinic. The yivam, the zika is doraisa. What do you do? Right? This is a mishnah. This is a mishnah that we've had. It's a mishnah in daf yudches, and it's going to be addressed in uh, twenty nine dafim. So the kash is again. You have a, his wife is a katana, so it's a rabbinic marriage. The woman that falls to him, which is his wife's sister. Biblically, he should do yibam because biblically his marriage is not valid because she's below the age of bat mitzvah. So there's different opinions what to do. Rabbi Gamliel's opinion is, wait, when she becomes an adult, listen, if he wants to annul the marriage to the katana, right, mian, which is annulling the marriage, it's as if he was never married, then he could do yibam. If he wants to do that, fine. But Rabbi Gamliel says, you know what he could also do? She falls to him today, let her wait three years, his wife will become bat mitzvah, He'll live with his wife, rendering her his full wife, rendering that woman his wife's sister, and she's free. That's an example where the erva happened later, right? When she, when the when the wife's sister fell, at that point they could do yibum, full yibum. The injury, the tsuadaka, or the marriage of his wife happened later. What do you see? It doesn't matter. The second he marries his wife, that's it. She's an erva. Boom, get out. It doesn't matter when. The mucus, the potential is always there. This is like But think about the scenario. I'm just, I'm just, right. uh, uh, just the equating. And then there, like, you have a case where a woman falls to him, full-fledged yibam biblically. 
biblically, right? He could do even with this woman because his marriage is only rabbinic. Two years later, he has a full marriage with her. Now she becomes an Arab, bye-bye. Over here, the woman, the woman falls to him. He's healthy, right? All of a sudden, a week later, injury happens. Now she's a lav, which according to Rebekah is equal to Kari. So it's the equivalent of becoming an erva. No, no, no. She fell to you when you were healthy. You got to do chalitza. Why? Because there was a time where you could have done chalitza. There was a time. Biblically, he could have. But biblically, there was a time where he could do yivam also. What's the answer? It doesn't matter when the erva sets in. As long as right now it's a full-fledged erva, I don't care how we got here. Like I just care about the destination. Right now... Right now, could you do even with this woman? No, because you waited three years, you lived with your wife, and she's an adult, and now you're your wife's sister. What, what, the, the point is, you see it doesn't matter when the erva kicks in. As long as the erva kicks in, I'll see you. Like, what does it matter? So to over here, if you actually believe that Rebekiva equates Alav with Kares, so what does it matter when he becomes a Ptsuadaka? Oh, so there was a month period where he could have did even. Okay, we could have, should have, but he didn't. Right now he's a psudaga, right now it's a lav. Bye. That's the Gemara's the Gemara is trying to equate the two. So why is it that the Mishnah says that a Ptsuadaka does Khalitza, according to Ravakiva, Chaive Lavin is the equivalent of Kares. So you'll say, oh, because he was healthy when they fell. Who cares? I Meaning if he if he would have fallen, if she would have fallen when he was a Ptsudaka, bye-bye. But she fell when he was healthy, then he became a Ptsudaka. Ah, so do Khalitza. No, no, no. It's 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 all or nothing. You either could do Yivam or you can't. I, I, I don't really care. You understand? So back to our original question, which is that according to Rebekiva, if you equate a lav with kares, so then why is a Ptuadaka doing Chalitza? So the Gemara's answer is, no, no, the Gemara's answer is the assumption that we're making that Rebekiva treats all Chave Lavin as kares is not so pasha. The Gemara says, The answer is, throughout Shas, there's always an assumption that Rav Akiva holds that all Chayvei Lavin make a Mamzer. The assumption is always that Rav Akiva holds all Chayvei Lavin are equal to Kares. That's not so posh. There's an opinion of Tanadavei Rav Akiva. There's one of the versions of Rav Akiva is that not every Lav makes a Mamzer, only Lavin that you're related to. Blood lavin. But if it's a non-blood lav, like a ptsuadaka, which is a lav, but there's no, it's not like a lav due to blood, actually there's no mamzer from that. So the answer is, the reason why you do chalitza is because it's not, it, it's a regular lav. I, I thought Rav Akiva equates lav with, mam, with kares. Not all lavin. It won't be a mamzer. Correct. That's the point. Rav Akiva would not, according to this opinion, Rav Akiva would not make a mamzer from this relationship. Then what would never be a possibility of a mamzer? So that is not Oh, no, 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 but, but the point is, but it's not, a, even if it was medically possible, you understand, it's not the type of lav that would make a mamzer. Meaning, our assumption is that Rav Akiva holds every lav makes a mamzer, the answer is not so. According to one opinion, Rav Akiva does not believe that a lav makes a mamzer unless it's through blood. Um, now, <clears throat> by the way, the only example, um, by the way, everyone agrees, you should just know, Rashi brings down, everyone agrees that Rav Akiva holds that Almanatuk and Gadol will not make a mamzer. The question is, is that an exception or is that the rule? Whatever it is. But, but the point is, this Shiloh of whether Ptuadaka would make a mamzer 
is a machloikas between two versions of Rav Akiva. Now the Gemara asks Adam's question, which is, the Gemara just asks Adam's question, which is, Ikri kan lohokim lochav shem, v'la bar hochihu. The answer is, the Gemara asks Akasha. Um, Stam. Why do you do chalitz at all? The whole purpose of you, meaning, generally, yes, okay, generally, if, if you could do yibum with such a person, right, and what's stopping you is arayas, so then, okay, sometimes you have chalitza, because like the Torah is like, listen, uh, you know, we don't want you to do it, so do chalitza. Amana to a king, do chalitza. But the whole purpose of yibum is to continue the name. He's a sris. It, it shouldn't, he, he, should, he shouldn't be doing chalitza at all, because it's not, it's not, he's not bechal the parsha. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's like doing yibum with a cat. It, it's not bechal the parsha. It's not, what the, it's not what the Torah wants. So if it was like, he could do yibum, but there's something stopping you. It's an erva. Okay, so you do chalitza. He is not bechalal the parsha. The whole purpose of yibum is to continue the name. He can't continue the name. He should just be exempt. Forget about rias. He should just be exempt. The gemara answers. The answer is. So this person, let's assume, the reason why we say you do chalitza, right, according to Rebekiva, is because we're talking about a sris adam, which means there was a period of time where he was healthy. So the Gemara says, yeah, but I don't care about that, because like right now, let's say you either go, let's say it's, it's, it goes by either the husband or the brother. But let's say the husband had a period of time where he was healthy for 10 years, then he had an accident, he no longer can have children. So the Gemara says, so then he's, he's not lachim lach of shame, you can't continue that name, there's no name over there. Or, or the case is, let's say it's a brother, the brother was healthy for 10 years, but by the time she fell to Yivam, he had an accident. Rebbe Kiva says, do chalitza. The Gemara says, why? He can't continue the name. The answer is, the fact that he was healthy at some point means that he's bechlal the parsha. Enough to do chalitza. Why? I'll prove it to you. Every person, every man that, that dies, not every man, but the Gemara assumes every man, but every man that dies, before he passes away, there's a period of time where there's a weakening in his ability to have children. The Gemara assumes, unless he was like a healthy man who had an accident, but if he was dying you know, from cancer and he was slowly passing away, there's a period of time where he can't have kids. From chemo, weakness, the last 10 minutes. So what do you see? You see that you go by his life. There was a period of time where he was okay, and that's enough. We have to ex- sort of accept that, or else you're going to basically exempt every single person from doing evil. That's the Gemara. It's an interesting... I don't want to see if our scroll has a perspective on it. The Gemara just says that every husband... Here, um, the, Gemara, the Gemara says... Uh, oh, it's a long one. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, every dying man prior to his death weakens because of his death throes to a point where he is incapable of fathering children. Meaning, so it must be that we don't go by a moment. We go by a period of time. If there's a period of time where he was healthy, that's enough. So the Gemara says, what about Rav Eliezer? Rav Eliezer holds the opposite, right? Rav Akiva, right, you had, in, the, in the Mishnah there was a contradiction. One said Sris does Chalitza, one said Sris doesn't. So Rav Akiva says, well, was he healthy at any point? If he was healthy at any point, he does Chalitza. If not, not. Why? Because Rav Akiva is coming in the mentality of like, if he's healthy at any point, we have to we have to require him to do chalitza because if you say that because as long as he's healthy at some point he's bechal the parsha. Why? Because if not, then no one will ever do even because every sick guy at some point has a moment where he can't do he can't have children. Rebbe Eliezer had a different take. Rebbe Eliezer said, "Sris Adam 
you do chalitza sircham or not. Meaning Rabbi Eliezer doesn't care about when he was healthy or not. He cares about, is it fixable? So according to Rabbi Eliezer, you can have the kasha. According to Rabbi Eliezer, he holds, I don't care whether you're healthy or not. If there's a period of time where you can't have kids and it's not fixing, I'm out. So according to him, Lechora, every single person before they pass away, there's a moment of time where it's not curable because they died and they couldn't have kids. So the Gemara answer is no. The answer is, over there, it's not that they can't have kids, he's just weak. Meaning, if you have someone that's on his deathbed, no one would say, oh, he's a sris. He's not a sris. He's not strong enough to have children. It's not like his, uh, his uh, urethra was severed. It's not, like, it's not like that part of the body was severed. He, he just, he's weak. So Rebbe Taka holds that if there's a period of time where you're out and it's not curable, you Taka out. I, then every single person who's sick, you should say that he's a sris. He says, no, that's not a sris. Just because you're weak from leading to death, that doesn't make you a sris. A sris is someone who medically cannot have children, not who doesn't have the strength to have children right now. I will stop here.